Hello, and welcome to today's shiur. Today we will be learning about the Dat Tivunot, a work of the Ramchals, translated often as the Knowing Heart. Uh, the uh, subtitle for our shiur, for our class, is the Ramchals Penetrating Insights into the Nature of the Universe, Man, and the Creator. Archives of the Shur and other Shur and by me, Rabbi David Botten, can be found at my website, http colon slash slash www.teachertome.com. So let's begin. For an introduction to the Ramchal and his system of thought in general, I would recommend listening to the first class of my Mesil Yusharim series, uh, which is available at the site I mentioned before. Uh, you will find there. Um, uh, a, a long discussion about the Ramchal and his particular uh, uh, contribution to uh, to the Jewish people and the Jewish people's body of knowledge. Uh, it is uh, uh, it is quite interesting that uh, there's a statement that's once been said from Moshe to Moshe, no one has risen like Moshe, and this was said regarding the Rambam. So from Moshe Rabbeinu, from Moses all the way to Rambam, Maimonides, we find that this is the case that that the Maimonides introduces a new and innovative uh, perspective on Judaism, the Torah, meaning a way for the average Jew to be able to perceive and understand the halakha, the general way of the Jewish people in terms of our everyday living and laws. The Ramchal did something similar, and that is that he introduced us to bringing into the everyday mind of the everyday Jew the advanced thoughts that are found even in the most esoteric parts of our Torah. Dat Vunot, the particular work that we're going to be looking at this evening, is one of the three most well-known Sfarim of the Ramchal. Uh, the other two are Mesil Yisharim and Derech Hashem. Uh, all three have been translated, uh, many of them multiple times, and they're available at your local Jewish bookseller. Uh, you can find them just about anywhere. Uh, you can find them on Amazon.com. You can find them on uh, on used bookstores all throughout the web and in person. Uh, these three works are extremely well-known. Um, all three of them are currently available through Feldheim uh, as probably the primary publisher. Um, in some ways, you're going to see as we discuss this a little bit, there is some overlap between the Sfarim. In this case, the three most well-known one, Mesut Yisharim sort of stands on its own as being the, the Ramchal's work on Musar, his work on really how to properly organize and arrange ourselves in terms of our life in a forward-moving and, f and forward-thinking fashion uh, in order to direct our midot, our traits, our character, our being, so that it should be in line with the way a Jew should be. Derech Hashem, the way of God, and this work, Dat Tuvunot, Knowing Heart, these are a little bit different in that they present and cover the Ramchal's presentation of Jewish thought. Now the difference is that I want to point out in terms of the Derech Hashem and Dat Vunot, both covering this same idea, meaning Jewish thought, uh, is has to do with the fact that the Ramchal was a pioneer of the idea of learning styles, of being able to bring Torah knowledge to the masses in a fashion that they'll be able to absorb and be able to make the most of. So you'll see that almost every subject that the Ramchal wrote on, be it Mesil Isharim, be it his work of, of how to be just and pious, be it his works on Kabbalah, be it his works, as we're talking about now, in Jewish thought, have th there's actually three different works that will cover the same subject. One of those works will be a Vakuach. 
One of them will be a presentation that takes a discussion style. In other words, where we have a, 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 a give and take that's going on, almost like a play. In fact, that was one of the one of the ways of making a living was he wrote plays. He was a playwright. The um, so he wrote a body of work that really reflected each of the three major subject areas that he attacked. Actually, he has attacked many other areas as well, such as logic. Uh, you know. Um, the uh, his his presentations on diktuk on Jewish grammar. I mean, so he actually covers a wide body, but the main three bodies of works. He certainly has all three of these available. So one of them is the Vikuach. Many people don't realize that Mesilat Yisharim, the Path of the Just, that that text actually has another version. It was recently printed in the last couple of years. It was found in archives that there was also this, again, this almost playwright-type presentation of the text of Mesut Yisharim as well. So there is as well for that subject. So in our subject here, the Vikuach, the, this give-and-take presentation type of discussion, is found in this work here, Dat Tevunot. The second work that the Ramchal he generally does in each of these major subject areas is a work on klalim, general principles. It presents each of the each of the various different learning aspects of information that he wishes to relate to us, but he does it in a very terse fashion that once we have encountered the information, it's possible for us to read over this smaller work, which has general principles, and automatically in our mind be able to derive out all of the pratim, all of the details from these general principles. The third type of work is some is an expanded almost encyclopedic and systematic work. So in in our example here the Sefra Klalim is actually the name of the work that is connected to the Datavunot. So Datavunot the lowing heart is the Vikuach, is the discussion work. Sefra Klalim is the work that presents the principles in that terse fashion I referred to and the expanded encyclopedic systematic type of work that is Derech Hashem that is the way of God which has also been translated and available and, and I certainly recommend um, looking into all of these works um, you, like I said, if in the in the future classes, if you'd like to be able to to work along with us, uh, I'm going to be presenting the materials in a in a f- very nice format in terms of the Hebrew that you'll be able to look. It'll be there on the website. It'll be here online as we're talking. Now, in addition to that. Um, you will be able to go ahead and get the English text itself if you want in preparation. We're actually going to cover only a couple of uh, a couple of give and takes, uh, only the first one or two in the text itself tonight, because we're going to go off in a slight bit of a tangent. So the, between now and next week might be a good time to go ahead and get a copy of the English work if that's something that you need. So let's. Um, Let's actually take a look now, uh, at this point, at the very first of the give and takes. Maybe the very first opening question that is being introduced by the Ramchal in this work. Amra HaNeshama, the Neshama says like this. Tavati urtsoni lehityashev akzatavrim. I have a desire and I have a want, I have a will, to be settled regarding a few matters. Shinar Marbahem that it's been said in a Pasuk regarding them. In this case, the Pasuk is found in the Varim Perak Dalad, Pasuk Lamatet. And return it to your heart that Hashem He is God. Hare Hem Mi'ikre Emunatenu. These 
are from the fundamentals of our beliefs, Shehayav, that there is an obligation, call Hadam upon every person, Lirdof Achriyadiatam, to strive after knowledge of these matters. Each person according to the capabilities that are available to him. Now, this particular statement, this opening question, gives us the it's the it's the key to this work is it's not the pronouncement of principles that that is going to make this text important. In other words, where it's going to just go list through the various principles. But rather there's a presentation of the fundamentals in a fashion that's going to settle a person's mind regarding these principles. So given the principles that we have, and we'll see shortly what those principles are, the text is going to target our ability to be able to settle those within us. So the Ramchal is teaching us that while there's a natural desire and want to be settled regarding these fundamentals of faith, there's also a chiyuv. Remember, the very beginning, the very beginning of the states right that what that i wish to know i wish to be settled about those things which i have an obligation to know in other words there's things that we have an obligation to that we should believe and we have faith in and therefore since we have an obligation to have faith in them and believe them we also have an obligation to seek after knowledge that would allow these matters to be settled within us it's not the job of the jew to rely upon his blind faith it doesn't mean to say or belittle, God forbid, the essential important point of faith, of having that, that pure emuna, which is a gift from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, it's, it's from our forefathers that's imbued within us, but it's also important that we have a sense of knowledge of the matters which with we believe. Not just the details of those matters, but to the best of our ability to be able to work out mentally and logically how that is to be settled in our mind, so that it's clear and understood. Amar HaSeichel, so the, this discussion, as you can see here, is between the Neshama, it is between the soul, and between the Seichel, between the intellect. His Ana Panecha Muadot. He says, where is your, where are you directing? Which direction are you going? Hine Ha'ikarim Hem Yudgimon. The principles of faith that we have, there are 13 of them. On which of those do you wish to have further discussion, further understanding of? What do you wish to comprehend to its fullest? So, before we really can go on further in the text, uh, it's uh, therefore, I believe, prudent that we go ahead and we look at the 13 fundamentals of faith that comprise Judaism, that comprise what it means to be a Jew. And what we'll do is we're going to look at each one of them right now. Uh, you'll find them on the materials that I sent. You'll find them said in the daily prayers at the very end of prayers in Mosidurim, uh, after Elena Lashabach and after all the various other uh, daily morning uh, uh, psalms and so forth that we say. You'll also see usually a listing of the 13 anima means, the 13 things that I believe with perfect faith that were the 13 principles that were enumerated by the Rambam. And they represent the Ikarim, the main points. Now, it's interesting that, historically speaking, there's, a, there's also a song that we find. It is often, uh, is often sung at the end of uh, Friday night services in many congregations. 
And that particular song also brings in the 13 principles of faith. Now, there is a custom among, uh, among, the, among many Sephardim based on the, the fact that the Arizal was hesitant to, to say this particular song uh, or any song for that matter, after a little shabbat of the evening prayer. But there was a certain hesitance that even the Rashash brings out, particularly not to say this one. Um, you also find that same thing repeated by the Yabetz, uh, by one of the famous Ashkenazi Mikubalim, also not to say this particular thing after the Friday night prayers, even though this became a very common custom. That doesn't mean to say that, it, that it, the Yabetz himself says, this is, even though I say you shouldn't say it, if I'm in a place where they say it, I say it, then I go along. But meaning to say that it should be institutionalized. And, and what was the reason behind their... Uh, non-interest in having this be a regular part of the evening liturgy is because of the fact that it specifies that there are only 13 things that you need to believe. So understand, when we say 13 ikarim, 13 fundamentals, it doesn't mean to preclude that there aren't other things in Judaism that a person has to take to heart. I mean, you have 613 mitzvot. You have to fundamentally believe that each of these commandments is wrong. You have to fundamentally believe many different details but they all begin and all relate back to these 13 ikarim, these 13 fundamentals. So that's the point. This is a, these 13 are a jumping point, a starting point to the details, to the very, to the pratim that exist regarding faith in Judaism. Now, they also, the significance is, is that these 13 are what define us as being Jewish. Meaning that there are many different religions out there, there are many different beliefs out there, and none of them espouse these 13. And these 13 together comprise Jewish faith. Now, you're a Jew no matter what happens, but you have to have these 13 beliefs in order to have been stated to say that you are in fact believing in Judaism, that your beliefs are Jewish beliefs. If you wave even slightly away from any of these 13, then the beliefs you have are not Jewish beliefs. That doesn't mean you're not Jewish, but it means that your beliefs are not in the realm of Judaism. There are even halachic ramifications that when a person doesn't believe these things and espouses other beliefs to these 13, meaning, meaning he believes in things that are, are, are contradictory to these 13, that in fact that he has certain statuses that pull him out from being, uh, in other words, uh, counted amongst the Jewish people and minyanim, things like that. But, but the key here is not to get into the halachic details of all of this, but just to understand clearly the idea that these 13 principles of faith represent what it means to believe as a Jew. So let's look at those 13 principles. The first, the first I believe with perfect faith. That the Creator, blessed be His name, He is the Creator, and He is the one who is manhik. He is the one who directs and constantly is has providence over all that is created. In other words, we don't have a belief that God created the world and then walked away from it. There is a constant interest of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, of the Holy One, blessed be He, upon our everyday lives. And watching over and directing things that exist. And that he alone made, makes, and will make everything. Meaning that he himself is the one who bought things into being. There's no partners with him. There's no other force in the universe. The, there, is, there is nothing that represents any form of creator other than him.
if something exists today, if something has come into being, if something is anything that has can can have be of any form of tangibility or intangibility, it is directly something which is done by the hand of the Creator. This, of course, means to preclude uh, ideas of of shituf, of partnership with God, or the idea that there should even be something along the lines of. Um, of of some sort of of uh, multiple godhead, which actually now works into the the second uh, anima. I mean, in other words, that again, it's God and God alone. So let's do the second one, which is a, is a, is now an offshoot from this anima min bemuna shlema. I believe with perfect faith. That the that the that the Creator, blessed be His name, He is one, and His oneness. <coughs> Excuse me. That his oneness is unique, and is so unique, it's unique like there, like no other form of uniqueness. Uh, there is an idea that it's not a question of one, which is 0.5 plus 0.5. It's not a question of one, which is a composite. It's a question of uniqueness without any other existence other than that one. And it's this uniqueness alone which is Elokeinu, which is our God. Haya, hoveviye, that was, that is, and that will be. So this is this idea, again, of lacking of multiplicity, meaning that concepts that you find in other religions, such as a, a, a multiple Godhead, meaning that there's some sort of multiplicity within God himself, is something that is completely and totally foreign to Judaism, non-existent, and not something which is, is anywhere within the realm of Jewish belief. And the same thing goes for, as has been popularized through Hasidic literature and uh, some of the various uh, publicized Kabbalistic literature, the ideas of ten spirot, that this is not ten parts to God or ten elements of God or anything else along those lines. Uh, the the idea of the ten spirot will actually be something that we will, we will touch on only on a very, very external basis as it relates to Dat Tavunot, and we'll see that coming in, in, later, in later classes. But the idea is, is these are ten ways that we perceive God's influence over the universe in relationship to the way the Ramchal is talking. And it's not to say that there, there is an idea that God is one which is made of ten, or God forbid, God is one made of three, or any other type of way of looking at that. This is again something foreign completely to Judaism. There is only one God, and He is unique, and He is again the Creator, and also the one who watches over and has providence over the whole universe. The third animamin, animamin bemuna shlema, I believe with perfect face. Faith. Shehaborei brachshemo eno guf veloi siguhu masigeha guf. Meaning that God has no guf, He has no physical form, and that it is impossible that He can be understood by those that have physical form. Veeno shum dimyon klal. There is no way to compare Him to anything at all. Meaning that God's existence is something which is beyond the capacity of the human mind to be able to understand. I mean, think about it this way. If the Creator created time, if the Creator created the, 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 the dimensions of the universe by which we are bound, it is impossible for us to comprehend that which is outside of time, and all the more so that which could possibly create time. So therefore, it is impossible for us to have any possible connection in terms of a, a belief of the essence and the, uh, the, the actuality of what God is. What we can understand is the way God has related to us and what He has revealed to us about Him. 
The fourth of the anima means. Anima means b'munashlema sheabori prakshmo hu rishon v'hu acharon, meaning that there is nothing before God, there is nothing after God. God is not something which has which has come into being, and therefore there's there's something that can leave from a state of being. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is eternal. There is nothing before, nothing after. The fifth of the anima means. That the Creator, blessed be He, He and He alone is one that is proper to pray to. It is not proper to pray to anything outside of Him. That means to say that if we think about everything that we have up until this point in terms of defining the the uniqueness of a Kaddish Baruch the uniqueness of God one of the things that we quickly realize if, if we can't have any comprehension of God it is absolutely and totally impossible for us believe it or not to even be able to pray to God except for one fact and that is that a Kaddish Baruch has told us and asked us and given us commandments that open the door for us to be able to pray to Him. The distance between us and the Creator in terms of His essence is so far that it's impossible for us to have any sort of relationship of any fashion, including prayer. But the fact that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has gone ahead and has presented us and has, and has given us His name, in fact, we say that this is the great gift to the Jewish people, that we know the Shem Yud Vavke, that we are given the ability to be able to pray, we are able to, given a direction to be able to face and to be able to reach out and to direct our prayers upwards to God, that this, this factor that we have that ability is a tremendous gift from God and the idea is is that the that only because of the fact that he's given it has it now opened up that we in fact are blessed with the ability to be able to pray to him therefore he alone is the one that's oily plel it's only to Hashem that we have that ability to pray that means to say like this we cannot pray to anything that exists and, and when I say that anything that exists I mean to say no stars no moon no this I mean to say that no idols of course but all these are things that people know and realize but I'll tell you even more than that. It is not proper and not possible to pray even to holy objects that exist in this world. A person can't pray to the Savior Torah. A person can't pray to 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 uh, to tefillin. A person can't pray to tzaddikim, to righteous people. A person can't pray to angels. A person is not able to pray to anything and in any form other than the way that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that God has opened up and asked us to pray to Him. He and He alone. Now, uh, the in terms of that, that means to say that we have to be careful. There is an idea that the Kodesh Baal who created the world, and it's just that he say like this that that uh, that God fills the world and surrounds the world, meaning that He is everywhere. So that means to say that what the table in front of you is God. God forbid that is not the case at all. This entire universe as we have is a creation. It is something which God created. And therefore, at no point can we identify or touch and have any tangibility within anything in this universe. We cannot even pray to the essence of anything that exists in this universe and say that we're praying to God. All of those are forms of what are called the Vodazara. These are forms of what are called <coughs> excuse me, foreign services to God. God gave us only one way to pray to Him, and that is to pray to His to His holy name. It says Yud Vavke to Hashem. That's it. That is our means of praying. Baruch Ata Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem. That's it. Now going on to the next. Ani Ma'amim Shlema. I believe with perfect faith. Shekol Divrei Nevi'im Emet. That we believe with perfect faith. Faith <coughs> that all of the prophet, all of the prophets 
that have existed in history that were confirmed as prophets, that meaning to say that up until the end of the prophetic period, meaning the period of the Nevi'im, and not including anything after that, meaning that early period, that all of those are within the realm of prophets and having prophecy, and that all of their words are true. If they fulfilled what the Torah has stated as far as prophecy is concerned, and they have been confirmed by the Sanhedrin and by the Chachamim and so forth as having been prophets, then we in fact follow after them. The Tanakh, the, 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 the Bible as we have it, contains within it the texts of those prophets, meaning of course the Torah itself, the additional writings, the Nevi'im that we have uh, the, as part of that, those writings are all from the prophets, and they are the writings which have been seen by the Chachamim as having applicability for the long-term future, and are therefore included for our use, in, other, in our learning and our studies for the long-term future, and it's that where we're putting all of our faith in terms of our truth. Okay, the seventh of the Anima means, Anima means, We believe the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu to be true. That he is the father of the prophets, meaning to say that he has reached the highest pinnacle of prophecy. To the prophets that predated him. And that in fact that he has the, <coughs> that the pinnacle position of prophecy even for all those prophets that follow him. So meaning to say that if any prophet was to come along and was to contradict the prophecies of Moshe Rabbeinu, that this would be a false prophecy. This prophecy would not have any validity and in fact would be the very definition of a false prophet, that he would ask you to violate the Torah and that he would go ahead and present to you a different Torah. This in fact would be outside of the realm of Judaism. Um... Now, it happens to be that the case, as, uh, as clearly stated in the Gemara and Brachot, that uh, prophecy came to a close, uh, that uh, following the, you know, the various different events and tragedies we have, that uh, there came a close to the time of prophecy. And in fact, from that time on, prophecy does not exist in any fashion whatsoever in this world, except in two cases. The two cases that we have is it says that it happens by children and it happens by fools. Meaning to say that there are times when the Kaddish Baruch Hu will imbue a certain sense of prophecy within the children or in the fool. And the Gemara actually goes on to show us various examples of where this occurs. For example, that a person can ask a child uh, what Pasuk he learned, and from that Pasuk he can understand certain things, and, and so forth and so on. And these types of prophecy, again, are on a far limited uh, stature and are not on the levels of prophecy that uh, we were talking about in the past. Prophecy will once again be restored uh, following the building of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, where at that point uh, we have the Mashiach, and therefore at that point prophecy begins to be restored. But until that time, in other words, unfortunately we are left in the state where we do not have that available to us now. And B'zat Hashem, God willing, we should see Mashiach quickly, and therefore have prophecy restored into our world. But nevertheless, where we are at this point is in the belief of prophecy as it is presented to us in the Sifrei Nevi'im that we have before us. Ani ma'amin be'emunah this is the eighth, I believe with perfect faith, she'kol ha-Torah ha-Mitsuya'ata bi'adeinu, that the Torah that's in front of us, in our hands, he anetuna l'Moshu Rabbeinu l'Hu Shalom, that is the Torah which was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, this, by the way, is is something which, unfortunately, 
<coughs> many people who begin to get involved in the secular world can sometimes be placed in a situation where they have a stumbling block in front of them. The stumbling block is that the secular world would like us to believe that the Torah that's in front of us is not the actual Torah that existed even in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. So, for example, one of the key things that's usually brought in as an example is that they say that when you take a look and you see the prophets, excuse me, when you see the writings uh, that we have, archaeological style writings, that they're usually in what's called Tav Ivri, which is a, the Hebrew script, which is a, a sort of handwritten blockish type of script, which many people would not recognize at all if they had seen it. For example, the Tav is an, is an X, or various other things like that. And what happens, though, is that this, in fact, is not the case. The Torah was never written in that particular Ketav. It was always written in the Ketav Ashurit, which means the beautiful Ketav. It's unfortunately been uh, translated sometimes poorly as being Assyrian Ketav because of the, the idea of Ashur and therefore their extension of that language. But the idea of, of Ashurit means to say a beautiful script. And that's the script which was always used from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu and the way the Sefer Torah was given. Now, it was common that there would be a handwritten text, just like today we would have printed volumes versus the volumes that we would have in the, you know, for example, in the synagogue or in the Bet Amigdash, which would have been of this Ketav Ashurit. So you would have actually copies that would be written in Ketav Ivri. It was a much quicker Ketav to write in. And also there there are a number of prohibitions for writing in the Ashurit in, the, in this beautiful script. Now, many of those uh, restrictions have since been lifted. As you can see, almost all the writings that you have around you are written in some form of block script, which is similar to the Ashurit script that we find in the Sefer Torah, and not per se, in fact, not at all alike to the Tav Ivri, which has uh, nearly been lost altogether as far as, uh, as, a, as something which is practically used amongst the Jewish people. So... In that regard, the Torah that we have, and that means to say every single letter, every single tag, every single up little turn on a letter, that in itself is exactly the way the Torah was given to us by Moshe Rabbeinu, by, through Hashem, by the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu, and in fact, which is in our possession today. The incredible thing is, is that when you think about the diversity of the Jewish people and the lands in which they live and how far they've been spread out, uh, that in fact that the Sefer Torah is identical between them all. The few there are in fact though it is known that there are one or two letter differences here and there. They have no bearing on the text itself in terms of meaning. And in fact, the customs are in the, in the few one or two places that we see such a difference. For example, between Sephardic and Ashkenazi Sefer Torahs, that in fact the Creek Tiv happened to have been the same as we find in the other Sefer Torah. So the point is, is that the Sefer Torah that we have in our hands today is in fact the same Sefer Torah. The Judaism that we have in our hands today is the same Judaism. There is the Hebrews of yesteryear are the Hebrews of today, despite the fact that there was a concerted effort going back some uh, 1500 to 1800 years ago to try and sort of blot out the idea that the Jewish people are an extension of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and are in fact just some new nation that happens to follow principles that are found in the Bible. So this, of course, is not the case. And part of that belief of saying that I believe with perfect faith in the Torah means to say I believe in perfect faith in the Torah that I have in my hands is in fact the Torah that was given by Moshe Rabbeinu.
the ninth. אני מאמין באמונה שלמה שזאת התורה לא תהיה מוחלפת ולא תהיה תורה אחרת מאת הבורא יפרח שמו. That this is the only Torah. There is no other Torah. There's no switching of the Torah. The Torah that I have, that we have now, is the Torah from God and there is no switching going on. What we have is the Torah. When you see, for example, statements in Pirkei Avot, where it talks about the idea of the time Mashiach, uh, that after Mashiach comes and there'll be a different... It doesn't mean to say that the Torah we have will be switched. It is this Torah, and it is a deeper insight within this Torah that is being presented to us, but it is the same exact Torah. Yud. Tenth. I believe in the Lord, that the Lord will be able to understand all the things of man. This is the belief that God, He knows everything that everyone does, and He knows all of their thoughts, meaning there is absolutely nothing hidden from God. There is nothing which is not within the sights of his ability to be able to see, be it around us, be it what we say, or within us. We are completely and totally transparent to God. Shneemar, hayotzer yachalibam hamavin el kol maasehem. Excuse me. He fashions their hearts all together. He comprehends all their deeds. Yudalaf, אני מאמין באמונה שלמה. I believe with perfect faith. שהבורי יברח שמו גומר טוב לשומרי מצוותיו ומעניש לאוברי מצוותיו. It is a fundamental of Jewish belief that you are not being decided upon your future strictly speaking on a scale basis. It's not like in the end you're looked at, you have a scale along this way, scale along that way. So people would say to themselves, well, you know what, I'm already so far, so far, far gone. You know what, just forget it. I might as well just give up. This is not the case. In Judaism, whatever you do positive, you are rewarded for. Whatever you do negative, you are punished for. If a righteous person does something wrong, he is punished for it. In fact, we have traditions to say he's punished even worse than someone else of a lower stature when they do something wrong. When we do something right, no matter who we are, we are in fact rewarded for what we do. It is not necessarily a scale, meaning there's certain ideas of scales that exist. For example, the Rambam says that if at any moment we would be more ra, more evil than we are good, we would cease to exist. So there's an idea of scales in terms of various factors in our existence or our future. But in terms of reward and punishment, you get what's coming to you, good or bad. So that means to say that in your life, you should make every effort to do every positive thing, no matter what may be the case in your life. If at some point in your life, you're unable to perform something positive, or you find yourself in a situation where you have, are underwater doing the negative, you should understand that there is always, always hope, that there is always the ability to be able to do something positive. You are never in a situation where you are without the ability to gain merit for yourself. The fact of the matter is, think along these lines, if you are alive, it meant to say that God wanted you to be alive. If you are alive, it means to say that there is purpose for your existence and there is positive that you can still bring to yourself and to the universe around you. So therefore, your very existence should be the very means by which you catapult yourself forward and realize that there is never a situation where there is no hope because the fact that you are alive says that there is hope, that there is a future and there is positive to come. So the twelfth, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Mashiach. 
and even though he may be delayed, nevertheless, I will await his coming every single day. The definition that the Ram gives of the coming of the Mashiach is in fact that he builds a Bet HaMikdash. Until the Bet HaMikdash is built, there is no Mashiach. Meaning there's a person that perhaps could be Mashiach, there's the potentials, there's so forth, but to actually be Mashiach Vaday, that this is in fact Mashiach, he has to have built the Bet HaMikdash. And this is in fact that definition, and we speedily and hopefully wish that he will come very speedily and quickly in our days. Yud Gimel the 13th, Ani Ma'amim Be'emunah Shlema, I believe with perfect faith. That what that there is a olam haba, there is a world to come, there is a future moment where reward and punishment will be met out in its fullest. That will be at the time of the raising of the dead. That will what that will come at the time that God wishes that it will be, and that will be for all eternity. Meaning that there are only two stages of existence. We don't believe, such as the Hindus, that there's this idea of seven different uh, times of reward and punishment. We exist, and then there's a time of reward, then we're destroyed, then we exist, and, th- and things like this. There's only two stages. We exist now, we are given the opportunity to ga- gain merit, then we, then there's a time when things change, and there's Tchietamaitim, there is the world to come. There is, of course, many details. And in the Sefer Dat, he will not spare us any details regarding any of these matters and will teach us all the various different aspects of each of these 13 including these aspects of for example the time before Mashiach, the time after Mashiach what does it mean Gan Eden, all of these things will be discussed at length in the Dat Vunot. so therefore we will be getting to them one by one each in its own time for now, we are looking though only at these 13 principles in as, as in a general perspective, and God willing, in future classes, we will be trying to drill down further and further, and God willing, Bezrat Hashem, if we don't continue to share uh, next week, here for online, then we'll continue at Yerushalayim with Mashiach Tzidkenu B'Mirav Yemenu. Amen.